coming up on this episode of East Screen West Screen. Hong Kong gets a spy. Tech talk is all around. Kevin, me, is off to Shanghai. And we look at the films, A Wedding Invitation, and The Hangover Part 3. This is East Screen West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. Welcome to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. This is the show where we talk about film from Hong Kong to Hollywood and lots of stuff in between. It is Wednesday, June 12th, 2013. As usual, I'm your host, Paul Fox, and joining me from his super secret location right here in the Fragrant Harbor, possibly in the same place as a certain spy we're going to talk about, is my good friend, Mr. Kevin Ma. No, Snowden is not staying in my apartment, okay? (laughs) All right. Hi everybody. Hi Paul. How are you? Good. I'm. I'm hoping that uh, we're not being uh, wiretapped as we podcast this. Well, I mean, at one point when we did the live stream. Didn't we actually want people to listen in? Yeah, that's kind of true. So, um, I mean, any any so any listeners it. at the uh, NSA would probably uh, help our ratings in some way, shape, or form. So, if you're out there listening, yeah. NSA, we hope you like our content. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it, it actually is very nice to know that there might be a Hong Kong film fan, the NSA, listening to a show. And if not, then uh, I'm so sorry. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, that, them's the breaks, as they say. Um, so, yeah, we are here to uh, talk about lots of stuff this week. Lots of stuff going on. Um, you probably all heard uh, about the news about Hong Kong harboring this uh, person. Some people call him patriot. Some people call him traitor. We'll get, we'll touch on that in a little bit, um, and why we're bringing it, bringing it up on a movie podcast. Um, but before we get into that, uh, happy Tun Festival. Yes. Um, happy. Have you had your, uh, what, what do you call this in English? I mean, the dumpling thing? Yeah, just like a sticky rice dumpling, basically. Yeah, okay. okay. Have you had your sticky rice dumpling Yes. Um, um, I, my wife is very, very diligent in making them every year, in part because my mother-in-law uh, really likes them and likes to give them out also to her friends. And so my wife uh, makes a big batch. Now, I don't like the traditional ones. Um, and I'm guessing the one, she makes two kinds. She makes the traditional kind, which is like a sticky rice dumpling wrapped in the leaf. And then she makes another one. And, and that's got all kinds of stuff in it. You know, it's got, uh, you know, just lots of stuff mixed in with the sticky rice. Then she makes another one. Um, that's kind it kind of ends up with a sort of a brownish color it's just rice and you add in a little bit of uh, sugar once you unwrap it and it's got a little it's got a slightly sweet taste and those are the ones I like so she makes me a batch of those uh, as well and she gives a bunch out to to friends and family so um, I've had can the, the, uh, can the fox baby eat, eat those yet yeah she had a little bit she had a little bit of um, of mine, but uh, she can only have the rice part. She can't have uh, some of the other stuff uh, that's in there. But um, yeah, we had one this afternoon for lunch. Um, we just kind of been, been having a nice family day off. I went to went to the government center and did some exercise for a bit after we went out for breakfast, and uh, we did some shopping and came home and 
just kind of been relaxing, and uh, I know that you've been out watching films. Yeah, um, pretty much since 8 in the morning. In fact, I'm actually under the weather, but I still sacrifice sleep so I can uh, watch uh, some very bad movies. Yeah, and we're going to talk about uh, one of those movies today. We're going to talk about another one of those movies next week. Um, and we're, we're going to do all of that after we get, uh, get through a little bit of news. I do want to say if it sounds like, uh, if the audio on Kevin's side sounds a little bit different, it's because he's recording with a new device, and this is in preparation uh, for his trip to Shanghai. He's going to be yes. attending, uh, is it the Shanghai International Film Festival? Yes, I will actually be working um, for different organization, I guess, um, at the Shanghai International Film Festival. So I'll be spending nine days there starting this weekend. Yeah, and so the, we're we're experimenting with a system that we're hoping that he can record while he's in Shanghai. And yes, so that's uh, why he I... sounds a little bit different this t- tonight. Hopefully this will carry over and work uh, when he's behind the Great Firewall, as we like to yes, call it. Yes, at that time, a different a different government can descend on our show. Yeah, exactly. We're, 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 we're like playing both ends against the middle, right? Uh, and at that point, I will be I will be praising the great films of August First Studio and uh, the great work that Sark is doing, the protecting the children from harm. Yes, and anything from Han Sanpeng, right, is just awesome. <laughs> exactly. Yes. All right, all of that and a little bit more, but we're going to talk about uh, some movies today too. What films are we looking at? Yes, for East Screen, we'll be talking about uh, Wedding Invitation, the Korean Chinese co-production, uh, starring Bai Bai He and Eddie Pang. And for West Screen, we'll be talking about The Hangover Part 3. All right, all of that and a little bit more coming up right after a little bit of news. <laughs> all right, so we've got quite a bit of stuff going on out there, um, especially on the web, uh, basically. And uh, we'll touch on uh, each of these things in turn. Some of it's not really directly movie-related, but uh, it's kind of loosely movie-related, so I just thought I'd mention it. Um, this week, we've basically got sort of a techno-palooza going on. We've got E3 going on, which is the um, sort of the games and entertainment big expo that happens every year, and they're unveiling both an Xbox, the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4, and I guess it's just worth mentioning because um, they've, they've already kind of highlighted some of the points on the Xbox One in an earlier conference and really pointing to this, the fact that this device is going to be much more of a sort of a media center. Um, it's going to be much, you know, they're talking about a lot more integration with TV and, and TV-like services and, uh, you know, things like Netflix and, and uh, other, other types of channels. So it's not simply going to be a game device. Of course, the devices, the generation we have now, you can do a lot of that stuff. But it looks like going forward, they're really trying to integrate a lot more functionality. And I think this will be interesting to see where this goes in terms of movie watching and if there's any innovations with technology with regard to movie watching. You know, one of the things that I've always kind of wanted to do or wanted to be able to do with technology is to have sort of an an online streamed social experience with regard to movie watching. And you can kind of do this now, but it's it doesn't really work in terms of syncing up uh, a lot of times. But, I mean, we do, when we do commentaries, for example, we kind of manually start the movie at the same time, and then we are on Skype and we talk about it and we record it so that other people can play back and listen to listen to us ramble. But I've always wanted a system where, you know, 
if uh, you and your buddies say have Netflix or you have another service and you decide, hey, let's get together and, uh, you know, watch uh, the old movie Clash of the Titans or something. Uh, not not the Sam Worthington one, but the the, mm. Harry, the Harry Hamlin one. Um, you know, you're in, a, in the mood for a bit of nostalgia and you want to go back and watch that or you want to watch, uh, you know, the old Chinese ghost story or something. something. And, you know, your friends over at his house might be in a different country or a different state and you're at your house, but you're online at the same time with the same system and then you can, you know, kind of stream it and watch it together on your, your, you know, on your individual devices and then communicate back and forth and talk with each other. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to get that with this generation, but I'm hopeful. Uh, I'm, I'm still hopeful that we have some kind of a sort of a virtual theater experience is, is something I'm looking for with some of the new technology. Um, and we might get that something like that with uh, the emphasis that the, the Xbox One has been kind of pushing. Um, a lot of people complaining that they're not really showing off a lot of games. Maybe that'll change this week. Um, but there's that going on. Then also going on this week, you've had the, um, the WWDC, the Worldwide Developer Conference from Apple. Um, I'm just now, I think, through the first hour of watching that. I downloaded it and started watching um, the, the video version of it that they uploaded. And um, not overly impressed with a lot of stuff that I've seen. Looks like they're sort of re, you know, redefining their, their operating systems. We're going to get the, if, you, you're, if you're an Apple user, uh, we're going to get the Mavericks uh, OS as the, as the <laughs> next OS. And, you know, everybody was kind of, you know, there, there, there were a lot of Top Gun jokes that I heard floating around. But for me, I don't know, maybe I'm a political junkie too much. The main thing that popped in my head was Sarah Palin and John McCain. Yes, OS um, X McCain. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm thinking, yeah, I want an operating system that's, uh, that's in line with those guys, right? Um, but anyway, I'm only, like I said, about an hour. I've got about another 20 or 30 minutes of, of um, their presentations to go through. Um, the one thing that kind of got me a little bit excited was their um, their new Mac Pro, which kind of looks like a Hong Kong trash can, um, <laughs> but in black. And there's been a lot of jokes made about that, too. But some of the processing power and some of the stuff um, they were saying that it could do in terms of multi-screen stuff. I mean, if you're a video person and you're looking to do a lot of video work or independent film work, that's a pretty nice device be able to get well, a hold of the problem is how much are you gonna to have to spend on yeah that it's Mac i'm sure because the last time i when i got my macbook i was actually looking considering a mac pro instead when i got my macbook um i was considering a mac pro but i went with the macbook pro because i wanted the portability but you can customize the mac pro into the tens of thousands um for your device so i'm sure this is going to be no exception um but it is a go-to device I, as i understand it for a lot of uh, semi-professional and professional industry folks. Um, so that looked that looked pretty sweet. I was kind of impressed with that. Um, but in terms of the OS and in terms of, um, you know, movies on Mac devices and things like that, um, it looks like they're still kind of going the digital route. Um, they've, they've moved away. This is a bit like a year ago now. They've, they've moved away from um, the actual, you know, uh, optical discs and that as a as a media platform you can still use it with their devices but you have to have a sort of a separate accessory now because they've removed it from the iMacs and uh, the MacBooks and the, the MacBook Pros so um, it looks like they're going fully with their iTunes library concept and for if you're a person who wants physical media 
um, then you're just going to have to find some add-ons to, to buy. Um, Kevin, have you paid attention to any of this? Has any of this caught your eye? Yes. Uh, well, as a, as a mobile user, um, mainly app for Apple, I mean, it's a little different this week, but I'll, you know, with the MacBook Air, but I'm not going to talk about the new MacBook Air because I got an old MacBook Air. So uh, a week before they uh, unveiled the new one, so I'm not going to talk about that yeah. to, to not make myself feel better. But uh, as a mobile user, uh, I'm very excited about the new iOS, a new look, uh, new new things, and hopefully uh, finally improvement on the Maps uh, app, which has been largely uh, this because it sucks so much. Um, and uh, uh, so I, don't know, I, I, I quite look forward to the new look. I mean, there's a lot of people talking about or who don't like the new iOS 7. Um, but personally, I can't wait to see it because I, you know, I, I kind of want to see what what new what the new uh, flatter, simpler look means for 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 advanced uh, digital device. Yeah, there, I mean, there's already been a lot of comparison <laughs> with with uh, various Android um, OSs and things, and I, I that's neither here nor nor there for me since I use an Android device, and I ah. also use Mac devices. You know, I'm I'm a uh, I'm by, I guess, <laughs> in that sense. You you just set yourself up for something, there. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, I, 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 my my big concern with with both the, the new <laughs> OS and and the uh, and the new iOS is is it going to slow down my current machines if I upgrade? Which has typically always been the case in the past. Isn't the new uh, the new OS X um, supposed to improve your battery, your, your computer's battery life and also efficiency in a way that is not going to be taking up more resources as previous updates? Yeah, they, they spent a lot of time talking about um, energy efficiency, but then again, is that going to apply across the board even to older machines? Um, yeah. Or is that just going to be for the new newest machines with the latest processor and chip configurations and things? Um, you know, that's all stuff that's going to come out in, in months to come anyway. But, um, you know, again, this is just something that I find interesting to pay attention to, per- attention to, particularly as somebody who, you know, is, is a heavy, co- heavy consumer of uh, media. And so, yeah. But uh, as for, for the E3, did you watch uh, how Sony essentially murdered Microsoft in about 20 seconds? I haven't I haven't I haven't watched those yet. I'm, I've got them to, uh, you know, usually I watch them uh, after the fact. Uh, a few oh, days after the fact. So, so. so you haven't heard about the controversial uh, Xbox One, the way they sharing the game sharing controversy. I have not. Not if it's not if it's come out this week. No. Because it, this past week, because um, what Xbox One apparently now has a has a new um, feature where they don't allow you to share games with more. Yeah, than that's been that's been something that's been building, and and I think this was mentioned before, where they're really trying to to clamp down on the secondhand. Uh, you know the, the the secondhand market. And, yes. So and, so the uh, sorry. So the PlayStation Four uh, announcement at E three, uh, Sony made a real point to say that you can share your games as many times as you like with your friends, yeah. and it made a twenty second ad, twenty second ad showing that showing uh, how you can share your games with your friends and just you can just hand it to them. Yeah. In twenty seconds, <laughs> essentially stepped on, stepped all over Microsoft and earned. Yeah. Uh, tons of geek, geek points. Yeah, the, well, that certainly is that's certainly an issue that you know a lot of people are, um, are are very concerned about. A lot of gamers are very concerned about. But if we look at the movie industry, makes me wonder if in a few years where people are going to care, right? Because now people will buy 
you know, a digital copy of a movie and they'll have that in their cloud library. They can't share it. They can't resell it. Um, and I, I think there was something that there was, there was something with Amazon where the, there was a ruling that came out that said, uh, you can't, re, you can't sell your, um, there was a court case or something where they were trying to say, you know, we should be able to, if we buy it like an, an ebook, we should be able to sell it just like we can sell a physical book. And I think the, 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 the ruling was against, and they said, sorry, you can't do it. But I've also heard that Amazon's actually considering setting up an ebook, secondhand ebook store. I don't know how that would work. Um, but yeah, you can't do that with movies now. And again, if we look at, you know, the physical media, movie, film industry, you know, DVDs and, and Blu-rays as dwindling because of, you know, sort of cloud-based libraries um, and people not caring anymore about the ability to share, maybe because torrenting is still such a big thing. Um, will that eventually, will that same kind of attitude eventually go over to games? I don't know. Personally, I, I'm kind of with the, you know, the geek crowd because I most of the games I buy or when I go back to the U.S., I go to the, the GameStop or, or the other places, the other few game centers that are near where my, my parents are at, and I buy secondhand stuff all the time. And I know that my mom, she's a big gamer, she takes games back after she plays them and sells them you know, back to the shop to get credit so she can get the next new game. So if she's not going to be able to do that anymore, she's going to be kind of annoyed with that as well. So she may just stick to you know, the PS4 in the future. Um, if that's the way they're going to go. So, yeah. but yeah, well, again, the, the main point for me is I'm kind of interested in and hopeful that with this technology, we'll get some more kind of social communal theater experiences as well as, you know, the, the, the communal game experience is already, already there in both systems. Um, one person was asking me, you know, what I thought of, uh, they me an email and asked me what I thought of the the new systems. And I said, well, my attitude is generally this, I'm not going to even touch one for at least a year. Um, I'm not an early adopter when it comes to the new game systems, because usually they're buggy and usually there's not a big game inventory and they're not mm -hmm. going to be backwards compatible, which is another mm -hmm. point that I think for both systems that kind of annoys me. Um, meaning, you, you know, the current games you have for your current gen can't play on the next gen. And there's still a lot of games out there for the current gen that I haven't played. So, you know, usually I'm a, I, I think about getting one a year or two years in once they've worked out the kinks, they've got more games to choose from. And there's really, there really has to be a big game coming that I really, really want to play. And that's usually when I'll make the, the jump in. Um, so you're not going to see me, you know, lining up at midnight at some <laughs> shop to, to pick one up for sure. The but, gaming for me is the slippery slope. Once I buy systems, then I have to start buying games and blah blah. I I, I don't let myself do that, so I haven't touched games in a while. I yeah. myself. And I know that a friend of the show and the webmaster over at the lovehkfilm.com, Kozo, is a pretty big gamer, but uh, I think his gaming days are going to be coming to a close in a few months, yeah, fairly, fairly yes. soon. <laughs> <laughs> and I oh, get to so laugh easy. because mine are mine have kind of dwindled as well, so. All right, uh, let's move on, talk about our next little bit of news. Uh, Hong Kong has become a hideout for a man named Snowden. Uh, if you've been following the news, of course, uh, big news is that this person was working for, I guess, a contractor who was affiliated with uh, the CIA 
he wasn't a direct agent of the CIA, I, I take it, but uh, he's sort of come out as the person who's been releasing information. Um, I think the reporter he spoke to was Glenn Greenwald, if I remember correctly, of The Guardian. And uh, so it's been a pretty big news here in Hong Kong for, for those of us that, you know, we've kind of got this guy here who's at the center of this turmoil. He's the, sort of a, a, a Julian Assange type of character. Uh, here in our midst, secretly, nobody kind of knew he was here. I guess he was stationed in Hawaii where he was working. And so, you know, now it's been a big uh, sort of a explosion. What does it have to do the, do with movies? Absolutely nothing except I think that somebody's going to make this into a movie in a couple years because this is this, you know, you've got Hong Kong. I mean, with a name like Snowden, that sounds like it's right out of a Clancy novel, right? Um, so yeah, I think that this is going to be prime, prime fare for an HBO movie of the week or something, uh, a few years down the line. And it'll be interesting to see what happens to this guy. Um, you know, how things play out. I don't really want to get into the politics of it because I don't, you know, that's not what this show is about. Um, but if you want to get into a discussion about that, eastscreen at gmail.com. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, for, for movie geek, um, geek talk. Have you heard? Have you seen that people say that if if Snowden does get extradited back to the United States, it totally renders that sequence in a Dark Knight pointless. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. So, they they need to send Batman. <laughs> yes, you need to send Batman. Just come and get him, or just extradite him back, just like any other yeah. criminal. Yes. Yeah, I, it's been interesting to you know because there's there's some there's a there, I guess there's a loophole, a legal loophole, and then you've got. The position of Hong Kong as a SAR region and the Hong Kong government, but you've also got a different position with China and uh, the central government, and so it's it's really kind of an interesting thing, and uh, you know who knows where it's going to go, but it's 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 just weird that it's kind of playing out here on our doorstep. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, next bit of news: award-winning Life Without Principles star So Hang Shun has passed away at the age of sixty-one. Kevin, you have any further insight on this? Yes, um, Sohan Sohan Shun, uh, who actually a veteran actress um, that's mostly worked in TV, but um, I believe she was last seen in Life Above Principle uh, in her award-winning role uh, as Best Supporting Actress at the Hong Kong Film Awards. Um, she has passed away today uh, due to complications from diabetes mm. uh, at the age of sixty-one. Um, actually, So already had problems with diabetes uh, when she won the award. She was uh, unable to go to the ceremony because uh, she had a surgery due to diabetes and where they had to cut off her one of her legs. Mm. So uh, she was already suffering from the disease a long time, and um, sadly she passed away uh, from the same disease and so uh, today. For those who in the audience who might not be familiar with her by name, but who have seen Life Without Principle, she was the um, elderly lady at the bank. Yes, yes, the elderly, uh, the the, I guess middle age. I don't know about elderly, but yes, the middle age slash elderly woman uh, at the bank who has a, a fantastic scene um, in the first part, first half of the film with um, Denise Ho. I mean, her essentially her award winning scene was essentially that scene, that twenty minute scene or the fifteen minute scene where she is uh, essentially duped into buying um, a bond at the bank. Yeah. High risk. So I think that's that's what you remember. Um, of course, she's a, she's been a long time television actress. Have you seen High Risk as well? Hmm. Was that the Bond was High Risk? Hello. <laughs> Hello. Are you there, Kevin? 
Can you hear me? Kevin? Yes, I think we have a delay. Sorry about that. Paul? Yep. Okay, okay. So, yeah, yeah. So, she was, yes, yeah, she, she's actually more um, uh, 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 active in TV. So, if you watch the TV drama, you've probably seen her. And like you said, Paul, uh, she was in High Risk, right? No, I said the Bond was High Risk. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> she might have been in High Risk. I don't know. Uh, Tara, I, 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 yes, I should have looked up her, her filmography. But, but um, she will be most mem- uh, remembered uh, for that award-winning scene in, in Life of Principle. And um, she, she will be missed as someone who saw, who's watched her act um, since, uh, since I was very young, as a young child. Essentially, she, I've watched um, in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s, she was in plenty of um, television drama. So as someone who, who essentially grew up watching her act in supporting roles, um, it's kind of sad that I won't be able to see her on the big screen or on the small screen again. Mm. Yeah. Um... All right, next bit of news. Uh, new Kim Ki-duk film practically banned in Korea. What's this about? Yes, uh, Kim Ki-duk, um, always a controversial Korean filmmaker. Um, his latest film, Mobius, actually, um, have you seen any Kim Ki-duk films, Paul? Uh, I don't think so, no. He's made films like The Isle, um, Bad guy, um, the Coast Guard. Very controversial director. Makes a lot of violent, violent. Oh, Free Iron. Uh, also, Spring, Summer, Autumn, and Spring. You know, it, uh, so uh, you've probably heard of it. You've probably heard of him, but uh, you might have not seen his films uh, if you're a fan of Hong Kong cinema. But you've definitely heard of Kim Ki Dook's name. Uh, very famous uh, art house director. Uh, better known outside of Korea than inside. Kind of a rebel. So his latest film, Mobius, has earned a restricted rating at his native Korea. Um, the director made a co- essentially made a comeback uh, last year with uh, Pieta, which was already kind of on the edge for his extreme violence and pseudo-incestuous themes. But now he has gone all the way and got himself all banned in Korea. Um, his latest film essentially earned a, ra- a restricted rating in Korea and also the comment and, uh, from, from the Korean uh, rating board um, the comment, and I'm quoting here, that the story and contents of the movie are highly violent, terrifying, and harmful to underage audiences. The unethical and unsocial expressions of sexual activity between immediate family members make it only suitable for screening in limited theaters. Um, the problem with that is that Korea doesn't have any limited theaters, which means that Mobius has essentially been banned uh, in South Korea. Um, this is actually going to help the film. Yeah. Uh, Anytime Kim you ban a film, it's it's like yes. waving a flag for it. Yeah, so Kim Ki-duk, ha- uh, you know, he's never really been especially popular at home. Um, Pieta is just really po- is really popular at home because it won the top prize at the Venice Film Festival. So uh, so, it gar- so it earned him a lot. Of, that film earned a lot of money in, in Korea. But all his other films haven't been, hasn't done well in Korea. So And they've always done better overseas. So this now banned in Korea term, it's only going to help with overseas sales. And I honestly, I, as much as I'm not really a big fan of Kim Ki-duk's films, I'm a little curious, honestly. I don't right. know about you, Paul. What do you, what do you, are you uh, interested in scenes of incest and ha- films of high levels of sex and nudity? No, no. <laughs> if I wanted that, I'd watch a Ron Jeremy film. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it, it, when you do stuff like that in a, in, in a film, whether it's art house or, or mainstream, and you're going for the result of trying to get banned, you know, sort of, it's, it's shock jock kind of culture, and that kind of stuff immediately turns me off. It, 
it, it you know, I I, I doubt I doubt I'll go see it even if it's, even if it's on video. It's true that King Kido films have not really been my cup of tea because a lot of his films have been about shock and and awe and honestly he he just doesn't really engage me as as much as uh, as he does for other people. So, but I'm a little curious. I mean. You can't really, I can't really help but want to see a band in Korea film. So, uh, so maybe my morbid curiosity will bring me there one day. But for now, uh, yeah, I guess people can now look forward to uh, band films that are not from China. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, final bit of news this week. Uh, Kevin, you're off to Shanghai. We talked a little bit about this at the start of the show. You're going to be attending the Shanghai International Film Festival, uh, which is getting Monsters University opening the fest. What the heck? <laughs> yes, uh, China is a well. Yes, uh, the Shanghai International Film Festival actually is um, China's A-list film festival, which means it's actually one of the biggest film festivals in the world. Um, I will be mainly covering the the film market there, but um, apparently, I've been told I will be attending the opening uh, ceremony, um, which will be the English uh, language version of Monsters University. Yay! Um, the festival will also be screening a uh, retrospective of Pixar's short films. Um, the competition will feature several Asian films, including the NBA basketball film, Amazing, uh, Robert Wall's new movie, The Stolen Years. Um, <clears throat> and uh, there will be uh, lots of other goodies, because there will be a lot of films and lots of cinemas. Um, another important news that just came out today, that uh, during the opening ceremony, uh, in addition to the uh, the the Chinese voice voice cast uh, greeting the 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 stage at the opening ceremony, Troy Hark will also be receiving a lifetime achievement award hmm. at the opening ceremony. Yes, Did, so didn't he, didn't he receive one in Europe not too long ago? I'm sure by at his age he's received a few. Yeah, uh, probably not in Hong Kong yet. Made have received one. Did he receive one for Asian Film Awards? I'm not sure, but he's, he's in line for it essentially. Yeah. So it's about time. But he is, you know, he, he does have a new film coming out this summer, uh, the Young Detective D film. And he's also shooting another 3D film uh, in the in the second half of the year. So uh, he's still working very hard. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it, it, it's about time that uh, Mr. Chui gets the uh, gets some recognition. From so his the, the who's who's starring in that? It's not Andy, right? No, it's a prequel. So it'll star Mark Chow and Angela Baby. Oh. <laughs> but it will be in 3D. <laughs> uh, so it'll be uh, interesting to see what, it's been a quite a few interesting uh, few years for Trey Hart. Kind of made a career comeback, uh, starting with uh, uh, Detective D, and then you know with uh, Flying Sword to Dragon Gate. So it feels like the director is, is is still working hard and is still working hard to make quality films. So I'll be quite interested to see what he what he has. Um, so even though his career is still very much active, he's uh, receiving this Lifetime Achievement Award. So I hope to uh, talk more about it. I guess uh, next week when we record our next show. Yeah, but Mark Chow and Angela Baby again together. <laughs> they have been. Uh, it's not the first time. I'll tell you that. Yeah, or their second. <laughs> Come on. Uh, it. it pl- please tell me she's not playing the Wu Empress. No, no, Karina Lau will be, will be back. Oh, Karina so, Lau's gonna be back. Okay. Yes, yes. So uh, I assume that she will be playing the the same role. Oh, all right. Now that's got my attention. <laughs> yes. Oh, excellent. Uh, so look forward to see that. Although. Mark Chow, I don't know if you're an Andy Lau just yet. You got a couple more years to go. Um, but yeah, I'll look forward to seeing that. And, uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed Detective D, so hopefully this prequel will be 
equally well, well received and we'll get a sequel with Andy back in it back in the role that's what I want to see nice. um, yeah speaking of sequels Game of Thrones dude are you caught up no I, I just I finished 8 the other day so I have to I haven't watched the Red Wedding episode yet uh, do you know what have, do you know what that's about no, no, don't tell me. <laughs> I, I worked so hard to avoid it. So, don't, yeah, don't. yeah. Let's move on. This has yes. been a tough season. Whew. Let's move on. There, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot uh, being talked about. There was an article just the other day talking about, you know, is, uh, you know, how they're going to keep up with uh, between the books and, uh, you know, the, the pace that uh, George R.R. R. Martin writes at. Um, because the pace at which the series are going, they're going to surpass him, you know, in a couple years. So, wow. Uh, but yeah, uh, enjoy Red Wedding. <laughs> oh dear. Send me a WhatsApp after you watch it. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so overhyped that I don't know how I'm going to respond when I actually finally see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, all right. Well, I don't definitely don't want to spoil anything for you. Um. All right, uh, let's see. I think that's it for our news. Yep. I think it's time to move on and talk about our films. All right, we've got one film for e-screen this week, and that is A Wedding Invitation. Uh, this is a film starring Eddie Pang, who we last saw... Uh, I guess in the film Love, and then uh, we've also... Oh, we last saw Eddie Pang. Um, it's got to be earlier than that, actually, more recent. Really? I, I haven't... Well, has he been in something? The last thing I saw him in was Love, and then before that was uh, Love You, You, right? Um, let me let me confirm that. He will be in the Dante Land film, uh, Unbeatable, mm. which... Um, oh, it's also... It's, which is coming this summer. But uh, he was also... Okay, I guess you're right. Uh, also starring Bye Bye Her, who we also recently saw in um, Love is Not Blind. Uh, this is her second film, is that correct? Second feature film. Uh, no, she, also, she was also in an omnibus film uh, with her Love is Not Blind co-star Wen Zhang, but I forgot about the name of that film as well. But no, any... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, she she's been she actually is quite active in television, and uh, I'm not sure how many films she's been at. But this is I think this is her 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 latest role after the major success of Love Is Not yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, I guess uh, Kevin, why don't you uh, give us a quick synopsis and some of your thoughts on a wedding invitation? Yes. Uh. Okay. So, wedding invitation is a uh, Korea Chinese co-production, um, starring essentially Chinese actors, um, but made by a Korean crew. Um, the director, uh, oh, uh, I'm trying to find how to see how to say the name here. Um, the director, Oh Hee Hwan, um, actually last, uh, also a romantic comedy director back in his homeland. Um, this is his first Mandarin language film, and it stars uh, Eddie Pang and Bai Bai He as um, a couple, a long-time couple who essentially have been together since their high school days. Uh, at the, after their university days, um, uh, <clears throat> bye bye her who plays Chow Chow uh, tells her longtime boyfriend Li Xing, played by Eddie Pang, that she is going to move to Shanghai and that um, to pursue her career and that they should break up. Uh, and, incur- and then uh, there they essentially sign a contract saying that if they're still single in five uh, in five years, 
uh, they will marry each other. Of course, provided that Li Xing has also pursued his dream career of being a famous chef. So five years later, <clears throat> uh, Chow Chow is now um, a ceramic designer. I guess, you know, like, like Demi Moore and Ghost, right? Um, and Li Xing has now become this huge uh, chef who is um, in the final stages of a celebrity chef competition, uh, about to become the head chef of a Michelin three-star restaurant. So obviously they both uh, become quite successful, and the, the five-year contract is about to be up. Uh, but of course, just before the date comes, um, Li Xing calls up uh, Chao Chao and says, Hey, guess what? I'm getting married. That's what Li Xing tells uh, Chao Chao. So uh, it's kind of like my best friend's wedding, right? Uh, so now Chao Chao has to fly over to Beijing to go to Li Xing's wedding. Li Xing is currently marrying um, the daughter of his restaurant's uh, owner. Uh, the daughter is played by Pace Wu. Jeez, that's a name we haven't heard in a while. I don't, I don't know. Um, she still looks great, uh, prettier. Uh, of course, uh, of course, speaks a bit of French, fake French. Um, and it seems like she's a perfect bride, you know, rich and, and, and classy and, and, and elegant, right? Uh, but of course, that kind of uh, <clears throat> that kind of uh, raises the, the jealousy in Chao Chao, who still hasn't really revealed why they broke up for those five years. Yeah, I'm not gonna say more. Uh, so is Chao Chao gonna fight for his man or for her man or or uh, and will we know why she 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 decided to break up with uh, Li Xing those five years ago? Essentially, um, I'm gonna give you a spoiler by telling you that if you've ever seen a Korean romantic melodrama, this is essentially that romantic Korean melodrama. This um, is all Korean romantic melodrama. Yeah, this is essentially a Korean romantic melodrama in Mandarin. Yes, see it now in Mandarin. It's actually the same stuff, the same plot structure. Um, the first half is, is very pleasant, romantic comedy-like, and then the last last half is the second half is, is very much a romantic, uh, romantic uh, very much a melodrama, uh, weepy tearjerker, blah blah. You've seen it once, you've seen them all. Um, so there's not much surprise here, even though I'm, I'm sort of making it seem like a surprise, but it's not. Bye bye, her and Eddie Pang uh, managed uh, some good chemistry. Um, uh, I wasn't able to get the name of the actor who played Bye Bye Her's uh, gay best friend, but the per but but you know of course uh, uh, our female heroine uh, uh, does have a gay best friend named Mao Mao, uh, and and of course he provides some he's not as good as Wen Zhao, but he provides some good supporting performances or some good pro uh, supporting moments um, because of the relationship or because of the, the 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 nature of their relationship in the film. We rarely see why Chao Chao and Li Xin really should be together in the first place. If he's like, yeah, they're together because you know they they've been together for a while, and I suppose they should be remain together. And they never really talk about why they really like each other that much. Um, nevertheless, I think they have uh, the two stars have good chemistry, and it seems like they 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 would be a believable couple in real life. And Bai Bahu is uh, in her in her uh, romantic comedy heroine role, so it's is is very uh, she is very likable. Eddie Pang, of course, takes off his shirt and shows off his six-pack abs. And um, he kind of plays a, a very... <clears throat> he plays a, 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 a thin line between smug and, and confident. And they explain a little bit why he's so smuggy, uh, smuggy later on. But uh, I think he kind of toes that line well. But it is really much more of a bye-bye Hus film because of the character and, and the nature of the story. So, um, so in that sense, Eddie Pang's not really... As, 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 as big of a, a standout as, as, a, as the star or the female star. Um, nevertheless, the first hour is very pleasant. It's not great. 
there is some pacing issues. It's a little kind of rough along the edges, but you know, it's pleasant. Uh, it's not particularly funny, but uh, again, it's one of those films that you know really pretty and, and looks really pretty, makes you smile, and it's pleasant to watch. And then the melodrama sets in. And then it's kind of a drag because it, it, that's the entire third act. And that's about 40 minutes long. And from that moment, you find that revelation. It's kind of just, it kind of drags, drags the entire story to the end. And you kind of, and, and that's when it really embraces um, the idea of tragedy and is so in love with this tragedy. And it's so, it's not pretentious. But, you know, films like this and, and Barbara Wallace, A Little of Tears, they embrace and love this idea of tragedy so much that it feels exploitative. Um, that it's, it's wrong. And, and I, don't, I don't really feel like this... You know, it, and here's the question. Are action or horror movies for men the same way that romantic weepies are for women? You know, in, in a way that they're both gratifying in some really sick way. Because um, that's what it feels like to me. It feels like Wedding Invitation is grat- it gives audience gratification by with tragedy. Um, it's kind of like sick, sick uh, spectatorship to me, and I don't. I never really was a big fan of these kind of films, so there's my bias. Um, so even though the film is really well made on a technical standpoint, um, again the stars have really good, good, good chemistry, blah blah. Um, I think I kind of have this bias against romantic tearjerkers, uh, especially those those that are done in this fashion. So that I I'm kind of turned off by the entire idea of of the film. Uh, <clears throat> nevertheless. It is made by a Korean uh, team, including a producer, I think also cinematographer, uh, director, uh, 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 lots of Korean money. I think the script was written by Chinese scriptwriters uh, because some of the, 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 the writing is quite good, is quite clever. Uh, some of the comebacks and some of the, 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 the two main characters' uh, banter are quite good. So it, it, I think it's written by a Chinese crew, but otherwise it, it feels like a Korean film all the way. Um, so you do get that you know, pretty polish on top uh, at the same time. So if you like the stars or this genre, um, I think it's an easy recommendation for a TV. It. It's not really a standout film for the genre, but it's not, you know, it, it's okay for what it is. Uh, it's not bad. But uh, otherwise, if you're not interested in the in the melodrama genre or if you don't really care for the stars, then I would say skip it and go watch Christmas in August or some better Korean melodrama instead. Uh, Paul? You're, you're a fan of Bye Bye Ho, right? Yeah, I like her. I mean, um, she's okay. Um, I'm, I'm looking over, over at uh, at uh, Film is Asia. She was in First Time. Was she? Uh, that's uh, the got it. He's got her listed here, uh, as in being in the Law of Attraction in 2000. That's Law of Attraction. Yes, yes. 11 that's, that's, and uh, First Time, but I don't remember her in First Time. Was she the friend or something? Yeah, I would have, I would have noticed her, but I guess her, like I, you know, like the review said that her, her star has been rising so quickly that it's kind of easy to um, ignore her in, yeah. uh, or or to 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 miss miss out on seeing her in supporting roles. I think my biggest problem with her in this film was that I'd say the the first the 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 first part of the film before it really kind of, or actually the second part of the film. Because the first part of the film is about them really kind of briefly together and then the breakup and then there's the second part about the wedding and then there's the third part. It happens very quickly, yeah. the whole thing about the breakup. Yeah. In, in in the second part, though, I really got a, a riff on the, the the same character she was playing in um, Love is Not Blind. Right. Uh, and it was just like, 
you know, that character transferred over to this film. It changed in the end, in sort of the last act, and that's when I really started to like the film a bit more. So I'm a little bit on the opposite side from you. Um, that whole build-up part to the wedding, because I knew I, I knew what was coming, even though I didn't, and it, it just seemed so obvious. And then um, the uh, when, when it shifts into that second act, then things started to yeah, you know, it gets it gets very melodramatic. It's very Korean esque in a sense, and, but I was okay with it. Um, I've not seen a ton of Korean stuff, but I've seen enough to, you know, recognize, uh, you know, what's going on here. And But for me, that part was at least more interesting um, than sort of the whole, you know, her going to the wedding and, and the jealousy and, and all that stuff. Um, that, that, to me, almost came off as fluff, in, in a sense, and I don't know, it just didn't work for me as well. Um, but these type of films are are fluff until they they hit that uh, the crying part, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. Th- that's true, and and that's also sort of a Korean staple as well. Yes. But um, the film, I I would say, you know, okay, yeah, so she's gay, she's paired with another gay friend, um, who the actor is uh, Jang Jin Fu, uh, is his name, and he's okay, um, but you know he's no Wen Zhang, <laughs> and so unfortunately, you know. They're really trying to riff on the success in some ways of what has come before with with that relationship, and in some ways it it's okay, and in other ways you're kind of thinking, eh, I kind of wish Wen Zhang was here. Um, but overall, the you know the actor himself, he does a fine job in the role. I just you know I feel bad for him because he's kind of in the shadow of Wen Zhang and that character in a sense. For for this for this film actually, I appreciate that they made it more clear that. The gay best friend is gay because yes, they didn't say outright he's gay. Yeah, but he made it very clear that he says that um, she he tells her you're as safe as blah 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 as you are safe when you're in bed with me. Yeah, which says it all. I mean, yeah. that, that and, is and, and he yeah. also he also made a, a, a you know a very direct point, you know, oh if you don't want him, set him up with me or something. Right, right, right. Um, and also the twister scene, which was hilarious. Yeah. Actually, I thought. Um, <clears throat> so you know that, and that was fine. And uh, this is a film too that relishes in the materialism of things. Um, you know, these people are all quite well off. You know, it's like they work, but they don't. Um, they have, you know, they 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 they're constantly shopping or uh, driving fancy cars or staying in in nice places, um, and. So, so there, there's a, there's sort of an upper middle class or high class taste that's, you know, presented here. Um, and, and, and that's okay. And, you know, that kind of serves to build out, you know, some of the characterizations. I think at one point, like, um, his fiance is saying the reason that she, uh, liked him was because he had the three requirements, you know, he was handsome. And of course we get the requisite, uh, shirtless, uh, Eddie Pang scene, and hey, the dude's <laughs> built. You know, I can I can say that you know, secure in my sexuality, but he's do, he's built and he's a good looking <laughs> dude. Um, but so you do get that scene, you get the beefcake scene. Um, then the second thing was, uh, you know, he's got a good career, and then the third thing was he's got a car and he's got a house. You know, and those are the materialistic sensibilities of young people up in you know mainland China today. Um, so it is there. It's 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 very fairy tale esque in that sense. Um, but then once you get beyond that, you get into that third act, and you realize that okay, 
they're moving beyond all that stuff now. That's when it kind of gets, you know, like I said, it gets a little bit better to me and I, and I get a little bit more invested in the characters um, at that point. Um, but part of me, and this is a little bit spoilerish in some ways, so if you've seen this particular movie I'm going to talk about, um, be warned, it's a Hong Kong movie. Uh, but the film, you know, it, it kind of takes the C'est la vie mon chéri route in some ways. And that's the typical route for these kinds of films to take. Um, it's not the best film I've seen take that route. Um, thinking things like Funeral March and others. Um, I, and I kind of wish it would do something different, do anything different, you know, um, but be daring, be a little bit, you know, it's not like there are only two roads to take. There are, there are lots of different ways to play out these things, but typically we've seen them play out one way. Um, and I was kind of hoping it wouldn't do that, but it's, it took the safe path. You know? But but you know, uh, actually, difference and and actually, uh, Koza was bringing this up after after the film, is that unlike this film, um, uh, uh, say La Vie Mon Cherie takes a lot more kind of a hopeful uh, approach to the to the idea. It, yes, it does it, to to an extent, and, and you know that was that worked for those characters, and these characters are very That's, different. And and, they're, and here they're is, very... it, it's embracing it's embracing that tragedy. It it keeps it, it never ends because it it's so busy with telling you this impending event. Yeah, that it's, and, it's and you're 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 right in that you know go if you go and you watch Allure of Tears. You know, I'm thinking specifically of the uh, Zo. It was the Zo Dong Yu storyline, right? <clears throat> Who was she with? Was she with Mark Chow in that? No, she was with uh, Airfleet. Air, okay, yeah. That's right. Get those guys confused. <laughs> um, but but it was a very similar kind of an idea, you know. It, it's it's that that the, the behaviors of the characters who who are kind of going through these situations, um, and so yeah, the, it kind of loves the tragedy to an extent that it almost feels exploitative. <clears throat> Um, and, and perhaps pushes people to do things that if you know people in real life who've gone through similar situations, they haven't done those things. Um, so it does become sort of an extreme. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of wish it would have gone in a different direction, but that still, I'd say this, the, the, that last act was a bit more, uh, striking for me. It was, it was something that drew me in more than the first, uh, two acts. But it is a China film um, in, in many respects, and it is a Korea film in many respects, and because of that, like Kevin said, it's got good production value, it's clean, it's crisp with most of the narrative, um, you know, the editing is pretty good throughout, and, you know, it's it's got this sense of experience behind it. So if you like that sort of thing, it works. If you like the leads, I think you'll like this film. Again, Kevin said they had good chemistry, and I'd certainly agree that their chemistry um, did come across for me as well. And I'd also say that I think I'm going to recommend this a little bit more strongly than Kevin would. It's not a great film by any means, and it's especially not a great film if you've seen uh, some of the Hong Kong films I mentioned or if you've seen a lot of Korean cinema. Um, but if you haven't seen a lot of Korean cinema, I think that this is a see it. Um, I think if you're somebody who's kind of going into this fresh, that you'll enjoy this a lot. I mean, it's certainly, 
I think it's 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 much stronger for me than uh, Allure of Tears was last year because we get oh, a lot yeah, more yeah. investment in the characters. It's not oh, a yeah, short sure. story. Um, and so definitely self 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 so it really was a cheap exploitation film, just as you know, we get films like Ichiro Killer is in yeah. the same way. I think yeah. that's how bad. Um, but if you if you're not if you if you haven't seen a lot of that stuff, I think you'll and and again I've seen some Korean cinema. I haven't seen a ton of it though, um, so I'm familiar with with some of the plot devices, but not so much that I still didn't kind of enjoy this film. So um, I'd say yeah, it, it's a borderline see it TV it depending on where you sit. All right, I think that is all for a wedding invitation. So shall we move on to our West Screen film? East Screen, West Screen. All right, so West Screen film. Um, originally, wasn't sure what we were going to be talking about, but Kevin got out to see The Hangover, and he hey. did not see uh, Mr. Shyamalan's <clears throat> science fiction. <laughs> um, <clears throat> that, was, that was intentional, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, I'm not going to talk about. I'm not going to eviscerate uh, After Earth this week. Oh, come on. It's a little bit. I might save it for next week. Uh, I'm not going to watch it. I know you're not going to watch it, but I don't think we've got another West Screen film coming this week, so I think I'll save it for next week. I can talk about Monsters University or something (laughs) instead. Let's do it. No, I definitely want to talk about that, so you got to wait till I see it. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. All right, but we are going to talk about The Hangover 3, um, which uh, is not much better, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, this is the cherry sci-fi apart is so much more entertaining. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. This is the third film in the, uh, much beloved series, at least for the original, um, which was, um, you know, certainly a, a, somewhat of a big hit when it came out. And I did not see the original in the theaters because, um, I didn't know what it was. I, you know, I just thought it was, you know, title like the hangovers about people getting drink and drinking and getting drunk. And, um, you know, I didn't know it took place in Vegas or any of that stuff. And so I kind of avoided it until later on video and everybody kept raving about it. And finally my wife um, got me to watch it and I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, and a few years ago, we of course had the sequel, which took the uh, Wolf Pack, um, played by uh, Ken, uh, Zach Galifianakis, Bradley Cooper, and uh, Ed Helms with the uh, occasional appearance by Justin Bartha. And... Um, the uh, they they went to where did they go? Uh, Thailand, right? And yes, Thailand. Kind of went into some darker territory, and um, some of the portrayals of Thailand. I, if I remember back to our review of that, uh, were not didn't really take to uh, very well. Um, and here we are again with another sequel, um, not too far off from the last one, uh, just two years ago in two thousand and eleven. And uh, the guys are back. You've got the original cast back uh, coming together. And so this film takes place, uh, I guess, two years or so after the events in Bangkok. And um, the character known as Leslie Chow, played by Ken Jeong, who we last saw, I guess, being incarcerated, escapes from a maximum security prison. um, And he heads back to the United States. Um, meanwhile, the character that I guess is much beloved in the series, um, Alan, played by Zach Galifianakis, um, he gets into more and more trouble. 
and uh, he has an incident with a giraffe on a freeway, and uh, it basically has a very negative effect on his father, who's played by uh, Jeffrey Tambor of Arrested Development fame. Yay! Uh, hmm. And uh, we, uh, we basically, his family gets very concerned about Alan's behavior, and they want to do an intervention. So for an, for an, in order for the intervention to be successful, they decide to bring um, the guys back, um, bring back uh, Doug and Phil and Stu, and try and get Alan to go on a road trip to a rehab center. And so that sort of forms the basis of the setup. Now, of course, on their way to this place, um, they get run off the road and they get taken hostage and this is where the real plot kicks in. So um, basically, Chow committed some. Uh, he he robbed a, uh, uh, I guess drug he's lord or drug lord or mafia boss or something uh, named Marshall, who's somehow related to the original film. I won't get too much into that, but that's played by John Goodman. And um, so he stole a bunch of gold from this character, Marshall, and uh, Marshall says that these guys know how to get in contact with Chow, and it's really only Alan who's in contact with Chow. And so they want they want uh, the guys to track him down and to help get back his gold. And if they don't, he's going to uh, he's going to shoot their friend Doug. So once again, Doug is kind of the odd man out, uh, in, you know, in, in the show. He gets a little bit of screen time, but most of the time he's uh, he's off screen. Um, so this sends the guys down to Tijuana, Mexico, where they try and locate Chow, and then uh, things kind of take off from there. Um, and so it's a little bit of a road trip movie. It's a little bit of a heist movie. Um, it's kind of all over the place, and that's one of the big problems with this film is that it does feel a bit rushed. It does feel a bit like a cash grab. Um, it's mean-spirited, and I'd say, you know, the first one had meanness to it but it wasn't mean-spirited if that makes sense the second one got a little bit more mean-spirited uh this one even more so uh in fact there were not as many laughs as i was expecting and in fact there were some parts that were just kind of so dark i was thinking what are they going for here i mean um it it really made me question the nature of are they going for humor or are they (laughs) Are they really trying to, you know, uh, twist the genre somehow here? Um, Zach Galifianakis, um, he's got a kind of humor that either you like or you don't. But the problem here is that while I really like the character in the original film, um, they've pushed the envelope with his character here to where he's become kind of like Homer Simpson. So go back and watch, like, the original Homer Simpsons from the Tracy Ullman show or from the first season of the Simpsons and watch Homer Simpson now in the current season. And you'll see how the character has progressed in terms of his goofballery. That first season he was, you know, he was kind of goofy, but he was a pretty serious dad um, for, for, for much of the time. And over time he's become, you know, sort of the butt of so many jokes and he's gotten more silly and to where now it's like he's more silly than he is serious. Um, and I feel the same kind of here with Zach's character. He, they, they've kind of pushed him a little bit beyond the boundary of what I see as humorous, I, I would say. And, you know, he still has his moments, but a lot of it 
is just kind of weird. I mean, there's a scene where uh, he meets a character from the original film, and uh, I, I don't want to spoil it, but he basically says something, he says a direct lie to this character that I guess was supposed to generate a laugh um, about you know who he was in relation to this character. And maybe it did in U.S. audiences, but nobody in my cinema laughed. And I didn't laugh because it was like, really? You're going to tell that, you know, to this person? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that the, it, it felt rushed. The, a lot of the humor, the gags didn't really work for me. It does have some moments and they do touch on some nostalgia from the first film. Eventually in this film, they do make it back to Vegas um, so, you know, it kind of comes full circle in some ways, uh, but for me, it wasn't enough, you know, and they still follow the same patterns, right? Ed Helms always gets the shaft. Um, you know, Bradley Cooper is kind of there to look good, but he's kind of phoning it in. Um, the, um, uh, the character who plays, um, um, uh, I can't think of his name, uh, Ken Jeong, who plays Chow. He's basically riffing on his community character now, Chang, who <laughs> was kind of riffing on Chow, right? <laughs> so it's kind of like a weird escalation with that character too. Um, <clears throat> and again, you know, kind of really going into some some dark and, and disturbing uh, places at times. And, you know, there's, a, there, there's even a sequence at the end uh, sort of a, 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 a semi-post, I don't remember if it was like mid-post credits or, or right at the end the end sequence, the very last scene. And even that kind of has to up the ante, you know, and go go for broke. And even that still feels like it's trying too hard. I walked out of the beginner credits, so I don't know if I missed any. Did I miss something? Oh. The, the, the last scene where all the guys are kind of around and you didn't see that? Ooh dear. Okay, oh, I'm gonna check. Don't worry about it. Keep yeah. Talking. Okay. Um. <clears throat> anyway, the the motorcycle. Did you see the motorcycle? No, I I missed. I walked out in the beginning. Of the okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, you missed it. Um, pee, so. Anyway, so yeah, it's just it's been a downhill ride since the first film for me, unfortunately. Um, with each one being less enjoyable, and I I I almost say that if you haven't seen the hangovers, um, go watch the first one and stop. Uh, because one of the things that was running through my mind as I left the theater and a little bit towards the end as I was watching it is has the second film and the third film somehow diminished my enjoyment of the experience of the first film? You know, it's one of those things where you have a film that you really like and then they come out with a sequel that's not really necessary or a couple of films that are not really necessary that are kind of, you know, linking together through continuity and, and the actors returning and everything, but then that just go <laughs> so poorly, does it diminish the, the, the you know, the first film? Um, so, yeah, this is still a question that's kind of running through my mind with this film. Um, but I would say that, yeah, it's if you're a completionist, if you're somebody who has to see it, and you want to see where they kind of go with it, you know, it's TV it. Um, if you haven't seen any of them, I'd say watch the first one and stop. And, you know, leave, leave, leave it on a high note. Kevin? Yeah, I, I mean, why was this made again? 
Oh, yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. Um, the second film shouldn't have existed, so this one shouldn't have either. I mean, they could have just stopped in the first film, but it was such a huge hit that there was no way they, were, they weren't going to keep making them. So, you know, props to the filmmakers for listening, listening to the people and not repeat the formula anymore because the second film essentially was just a rehash of the first film. Um, but here's the thing to consider. Did people love The Hangover because of the characters or because of the formula? I, I think it was the latter. I think the characters added to the formula, but you're not the reason why people kept watching. Yeah, I think um, the problem with this this whole really whole home story is that it's all about the characters, and they aren't that worth caring about. Um, uh, I, I mean, I chuckled a few times this time. I think I laughed a lot once uh, during a karaoke scene, um, and just the rest of it, I just kind of tolerated it. Um, the characters aren't that likable anymore or worth caring about especially alan who is a sociopath clearly and i don't know why people still find him funny after the first film i mean each eventually just screws up screws things up for everybody in, in a way that like you said that i think that moment um that no one laughed i i, I was a you, wow you just went there and it's not even funny or even me it's not even wicked it's just sort of like why would you it's just not this doesn't make your main character likable at all um <clears throat> and yeah, so so for me, the characters aren't that worth following for three films. Um, there's a twist in the middle of this heist plot that's kind of clever, but doesn't really add much to the story. Um, it's kind of cool they went back to Vegas, but um, I don't think they 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 could um, up the ante the way they did in the second film or even the first film. It just felt like it was really just going along and, and completing the so-called story. Um, like you said, the, like Paul says, the, the humor is quite malicious. Um, it's really dark. Uh, there are quite a few deaths. Um, so it is darker, but it's not necessarily funnier. It's not even like the wicked dark comedy type. It's just dark. Um, and yeah, like you, like, like Paul says, it's quite mean-spirited. Um, you know, yes, it does kind of wrap up the trilogy, but it didn't really need to be one. So why am I watching this? I don't. I, I just don't feel like this film needs to exist. Um, and the thing is, even though I did laugh at the second film, at least I laughed at the second film, even though it was a repeated formula, I think if it was by itself, it would have been okay. Here, I think it was so reliant on the first two films that um, it just falls flat for what it is. So um, so really, for, for completists, I think it's a TV hit because, you know, you, you can't... I mean, that's the same reason I saw it. It's a complete trilogy. But for everyone else, I mean, it, it just, just, yeah, just stick with the first one and pretend the other two films don't exist. All right. Oh, there it is. The Hangover. <laughs> watch it and then get one. <laughs> yes, watch it and then. Uh, it, it, Paul, you finished. It, you finished uh, Arrested Development. No, I'm still in. I'm still in season one. Re- a rewatch ah, of season one. Ah, okay. Then I can't make that make that reference. Yeah. Okay, never mind. <clears throat> you have to, yeah, probably by that. Hopefully, by the time you're back from Shanghai, I'll be caught up and have okay. seen the new one. So I would just say watch watch The Hangover free and try to avoid the roofy circle. That's it. That's it. Not long to say anymore. All right. You're listening to the East Screen West Screen podcast. Visit Kongcast.com for more.
Paul, we have some uh, comments from the Facebook page. Uh, do we, well, before we get to that, um, let me let me really quickly um, make a couple of uh, short updates. Um, I know we haven't done a video pick in forever, and I do apologize for that because uh, just so busy with work and uh, with everything that's going on. Um, I, I, I'm hoping to get a guest to come in and talk a little bit about uh, the Grandmasters, maybe in the next episode, maybe the next next episode. I'm still trying to work out the logistics of that. But uh, we've got a little bit of an update on the Blu-ray for uh, Journey to the West, Conquering Demons. Now, if you'll remember, we had a little bit of a rant a couple episodes back because the Hong Kong Blu-ray only features a Cantonese audio track. And since you've got a lot of Mandarin-speaking uh, actors in the film, um, we were quite anxious to get a hold of uh, a, a disc that features both. And, and I think the, the DVD also has this, this problem. The Hong Kong DVD is only having a, a Cantonese track. So, uh, Kevin, you've uncovered that uh, the Taiwanese version apparently has both Mandarin and Cantonese. Is that correct? That's right. The Taiwan uh, video release on both DVD and Blu-ray um, uh, does have both the Cantonese and the Mandarin track with English and Chinese subtitles. So um, uh, that is apparently if you are if you do want both language tracks, me, Paul, and and a lot of the fans of the film um, do, that is the one to pick up. Yeah. And you can get that version on yesasia.com. Yes, and that's how I'm getting. <laughs> <laughs> so um, probably a, end up being a little bit more pricey than the local Hong Kong version, but I will definitely want the option to hear the Mandarin track or the Cantonese track if I want to go back and listen to that because I think that's what we saw in the cinema. Um, but yeah, so if you're somebody up th- out there who's uh, you know looking, been holding off on, on picking that up or is interested in getting a, a version, um, I do believe that when I looked on the Asia site, for you Blu-ray aficionados out there, that it is an A-region Blu-ray, meaning that it will play on U.S. players and PlayStations. Um, so very important that you check the region. I didn't check the DVD region. Um, uh, region free, so region same free. as Hong Kong. Yeah. So that, yes. that, might, that might give you a bit of pause, but if you're a Blu-ray aficionado, people in the U.S., uh, you, don't, you won't have a problem with that. All right, uh, Kevin, you said we had some comments. Yes, we have uh, two comments uh, from our previous episode about So Young uh, and about The Great Gatsby. Uh, we also talked about the China Cam Theater. But first, comment from Andy Hodgkinson. Um, he says he's going to watch the 1974 Robert Redford version of Gatsby. Um, Pauline Kale, a very well-known film critic, hated it partly due to Redford's self-absorption. But hopefully, it, hopefully it'll be worth a watch. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul, have you seen that version? I haven't seen that version. You know, I, I last time I joked that I wanted to do a film festival of all the all the films, and I was kind of serious. I wanted to go back and see if I could, you know, dig them all up. And apparently, the first version is lost. Um, it's not even available uh, yeah. to, to to you know on any kind of video. Um, but I was looking to to sort through what is available on um, things like iTunes, and I, I went and looked at some of the video shops, and yeah, the the Redford version is apparently available, um, but there's a newer version uh, that came out in the late 90s, I want to say, um, that I don't think that one was on iTunes, um, but I saw it on Amazon. So I'm going to try and track them down and, and try and watch them in sequence before I get to the uh, Leo's version, I think. 
But anyway, uh, Andy also said uh, really enjoyed the podcast. So uh, thank you, Andy. All right, thanks, Andy. Yes, and also uh, from David Harris, a uh, friend of the show, uh, talking about the China Cam Cinema. We had a had a few pokes at him, unfortunately, uh, about his, his his Facebook comment about getting a drink and getting ignored at the China Cam Cinema. He cleared up that he only wanted a drink, uh, firstly. Um, and also a question, actually, aside from the Dynasty, uh, which we, we often go to for bad movies. What are the, some of the other old-school cinemas um, in Hong Kong, and do we think that their days, too, are numbered? Um, well, there aren't that many old-school theater houses left, actually. Even the Dynasty, um, which which seems like an old-school Hong Kong uh, film uh, cinema, actually opened in early 90s. Yeah. So it hasn't been around that long, uh, unfortunately. And, um, and also... Um, Honestly, it's also part of a chain, the Newport chain. So I think that uh, it will be around for some time. But sadly, um, if we talk about the old houses, you know, talk about like thousand seat houses, like say the London or the uh, even the, the JP Causeway Bay, which used to have thousands of seats before getting their, their floor, ground floor um, essentially replaced by a supermarket um, and now a 400 seat theater. There aren't any of those old school uh, movie houses left in Hong Kong. Yeah, it's a shame. Uh, when I first moved here, the uh, I used to, because I lived in Shang Shui, they had a cinema right across from the train station in uh, Funlang, and which is one station south of Shang Shui. Shang Shui is the, was at the time the northernmost station until they extended it to Lo Wu. <coughs> right. And uh, so I you know, could just hop on the train and go one station south, and they had this little tiny uh, theater, two houses, I mean, not even... Um, not even more than 50 seats in each house, uh, tiny screens, but they would show all the local stuff, which was great because it mean, meant I didn't have to go, um, down South. And then that closed, um, a couple years after I got here. And then, uh, yeah, some of the other big old cinemas closed, uh, the, the Queens theater, we were there for that closing. And yeah, it's just a shame that a lot of them have, uh, gone away and, you know, it's indicative of two things. I think it's indicative of the modern cinemas rising up at the mall with stadium seating. And, you know, if people are going to spend $45 on a ticket, why go to the Dynasty with the uncomfortable seats and the, you know, the smudges on the screen and people smoking, you know, and uh, people talking on the phone when you can go to, you know, an AMC where people are going to follow proper etiquette and it's the seats they follow are more... proper etiquette AMC they don't either I mean yeah, well, they don't smoke but yeah well to, to an extent they do and and um, you know the seats are a bit more comfortable you're going to spend a little bit more on your ticket price you know but uh, you're at, also at the mall you know uh, so that's an important point point. and so for young people that's been a, a, a drawing point but then again of course you've got a lot of people who just aren't going to the cinema because they're watching you know, stuff on streaming sites and, you know, some legal and some not legal means. And so that's been an issue as well. I, I as I said last time, I really, I really dread the day when the dynasty is gone. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have to go to proper theaters for movies like Switch. Yeah. <laughs> or Virtual Recall. Virtual Recall, we saw the China cam. Ah! Yeah. On the, because on he wasn't the, playing the dynasty on the tiny screen with the handprint. Yes, <laughs> yeah. wonderful memories. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's you know it's a, sh a shame that uh, stuff like that is you know just going away, and a lot of people don't care 
you know, but they, I guess there are some weird people like us who do. All right, well, thank you, gents, for your comments. And as always, uh, I think if you'd like to, you know, write in, you can, we'd be happy to hear from you and talk about some of your comments uh, on the show. Uh, as always, you can, if you want to be part of the show, you can hit us hit us up over at our website. That is congcast.com, K-O-N-G-C-A-S-T.com. Um, you can leave us some comments over there. Uh, you can also drop by on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you and have some feedback from there as well. Follow along with the show at Twitter. That is uh, Kongcast, uh, twitter.com slash Kongcast. You can also follow Mr. Ma and his updates on all things film and film-related. And uh, he is at uh, twitter.com slash thegoldenrock. And you can find my occasional geek-related tweeter nonsense tweet uh, uh, over at uh, twitter.com slash foxlore. I don't tweet these much these days. I don't know what it is. I spend more of my time over on Google+. And even there, I'm, I've been uh, very silent of late. So, yeah, follow, but we do do show updates whenever we post the episode or we, we've got stuff going on or if we're going to have a bye week, we, I am pretty consistent with updating uh, the Twitter feed for the show. So follow that and follow Kevin, uh, especially as he's off to Shanghai. Although we're think, aware there will not be Twitter. Yeah, you won't be able to tweet from behind. There, there's ways you can do it. Uh, I have a VPN, so yeah. Let's one see, of my let's see how one well of my colleagues works. was doing some research somewhere out in Western China, and he had a they had a special system where he could send a, send an SMS to this thing, this service, and the service would tweet it for you or something weird. And he was doing that for a while, and then he stopped. I guess it was too troublesome. Yeah, but I have a VPN, so hopefully, uh, yeah, I can get that working because they have been a little strict behind the wall but uh yeah i'm just keeping my fingers crossed hopefully it works yeah um so yeah follow him and find out what's going on all up in shanghai and if you'd like to drop us an email that is eastscreen at gmail.com and again we love to hear feedback from you if you want to send us a short review or thoughts on a film you can also send it in audio format keep it short and sweet and we'll play it here on the show and on facebook that is facebook.com slash east s west s and we are also have a limited presence over on the google plus i haven't really created an official page for the show um, but i do post updates over there and we do have a movie group over there so we post events uh, exclusively to that group so if you're going to be coming through hong kong and you'd like to go out for one of our movie nights when we have them um, let me know when you're coming through and i'll add you into the group uh, the group events when uh, when and if they come up uh, we don't always have movies to go to these days um, so you drop me a line over there. Catch us on Stitcher. Listen to us on your iPhone, your Android phone, your BlackBerry, and your WebOS phone. Stitcher is smart radio for your phone. You can find it in your app store or at stitcher.com. Stitcher smart radio. It's the smarter way to listen to radio. We thank them for their support. And additional thanks go out to Rob Govers of Snauzer Studios for our theme. Ross Chen of lovehkfilm.com for helping us arrange movie nights here in Hong Kong. The K-Man, Kevin Ma. Off to Shanghai. Be good while you're gone. Uh, don't get, you know, de- deported or detained or any, any anything like that. Um, for, thanks for sticking with me for almost 151 episodes. And, of course, you, the listeners, for being out there listening. We like it when you're out there, and uh, we're glad that you like the show. Next episode, 150. What are we going to be looking at? Uh, we'll be talking, well, a bit about the film festival, of course. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, it'll be from Shanghai. Um, 
Yeah, you have to I'll... chow down on some uh, some uh, xiaolongbao. Xiaolongbao. While, yeah. yeah, while I'm eating xiaolongbao, we'll be recording 150, perhaps. Uh, hopefully next weekend. Uh, we'll be talking about Switch, the new Andy Lau uh, spy film. And uh, also, uh, finally, Paul gets to rip a new one for After Earth. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'll probably... I'll probably do that. <laughs> I have to cleanse my palate somehow. <laughs> yeah, um, so that'll look forward to that. Episode 150, all of that, and much more on our next show. Until then, this is East Screen, West Screen, wishing you good viewing, and we'll see you next week. See you next week, everybody. Snow is not staying in my house. <laughs> <laughs> He's not here. Oh, oh. just just think of a uh, you could sell the book rights. <laughs>